Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, I'm Julia Chatterley, and you've been watching our continuing coverage of the escalating violence in the Middle East. We'll take you back to Israel for more later on in the show. For now, a belated welcome to First Move this Friday. It's also Good Friday for those of you around the world who are celebrating Easter and Job State of Friday here in the United States. And that's where we begin. The world's largest economy added 236,000 jobs last month, absolutely in line with expectations. It is a slight cooling compared to recent months to what continues, though, to be an incredibly resilient labor market in the face of rising interest rates. Analysis on this report and what it will mean for the Federal Reserve just ahead. Also coming up, a CNN exclusive. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon warns that the recent banking crisis has raised the recession risk. His wide-ranging interview with our Poppy Harlow coming up shortly. And in the meantime, of course, U.S. stock markets are closed for Good Friday. But across the Pacific in Asia, stocks broadly rose ahead of that U.S. jobs report. The South Korean Kospi index boosted by a rise in Samsung stocks. Investors welcoming the firm's plans to cut chip production to help preserve pricing power. In the meantime, Japan's Nikkei and the Shanghai market also in the green, as you can see. The Hang Seng also closed for the Good Friday holiday. No time for a Friday feeling, though, today on First Move as ever. And we begin with some jobs analysis. Joining us now is Sinan Buba. She's the lead economist at Zip Recruiter, an online marketplace for job seekers and employers. Sinan, fantastic to have you on the show. I mean, momentum is softening, we can argue, but this labour market continues to be incredibly strong. What was your take, first and foremost, on this report? Oh, when I saw the number, first reaction was I have never seen a jobs report more in line with the expectations for the last few, two years than today's. Everything is on spot from wage growth softening further, almost getting in line with what the Federal Reserve wants to see, what they have in mind that aligns perfectly with their 2% long-term target rate of inflation. Um, we are seeing the strength in industries that we were expecting. It's leisure and hospitality, um, healthcare, and government, surprisingly, are contributing more than 70% of the job gains this month. This is where we saw with the big you know, there's still the strong demand for labor at our platform as recruiter as well. So that was not surprising. But the rest of the you know industries, when we look at it, the, the weaknesses are where we were expecting is the interest rate sensitive industry from manufacturing to information services and financial services. There is one more data point that I want to bring up. It's the temporary help services under the professional and business services. This small industry lost some jobs, and that's generally the leading indicator that tells us that we might see a further deceleration of job gains in the next coming months as well. And that's because employers are cutting costs to get them ready to get themselves ready for a potential recession. So that's going to affect that behavior affects the professional and business services. Also, there's a big share of small um, businesses in that sector. So when we look at all the numbers from the industry perspective to the wage growth, everything is in line with what the Fed wanted to see. 
Yeah, status quo maintained, quite frankly. I, I couldn't agree with you more on the, on this report. Um, the beauty of the data that you collect, though, at Zip Recruiter is you get a sense of online job openings, what businesses are doing to your point about preparing perhaps for an economic slowdown and confidence among workers, because, of course, that's driven by even if you lose your job, how quickly and how confident you are that you can find another. What is your data on that telling us at this moment? So from the job seekers perspective, they still have a lot of options. Yes, there is a big softening. There has been more than, you know, when we look at the jobs report, the jobs data, the job openings decreased significantly down, it's below 10 million. But let's remember, we had only 7 million jobs before the pandemic. So that is still way higher than what we had before the pandemic. So job seekers have still options and that's what's driving the quit rate high right now. And right now what they're trying to do is they're getting nervous. They're reading the headlines about a potential recession. They're getting nervous and they are still, since they still have options, they want to switch to jobs with higher job security, with better stability. And that's exactly why we're seeing the government number, the public sector, you know, inching up right now in the employment gains. For the last three months, they added a significant number of jobs. And that's because people reprioritize the job security over the wage growth and flexible work options right now. Yeah. I mean, if I were the Federal Reserve looking at this, and obviously it will also depend on the inflation data that we get towards the, the next meeting as well. But I don't see a reason not to hike a further quarter of a percentage point. Just purely looking at, at this data point, would you agree or do you differ? You're absolutely right. If this data point, which is not the situation, if this data point is only the, the only decision maker for the Federal Reserve right now, they're definitely getting the softening in the wage growth, which is, which is their biggest concern right now. And that will not have that will not put extra pressure on the inflation side. So if we are to look at just this data, Fed should have a peace of mind. But having said that, this is not all, this is only one piece of the puzzle for the Federal Reserve. Do you think we could see a situation, though, where, and you sort of touched upon this earlier as well, that, that firms are less reluctant, or, or sorry, more reluctant to let workers go into this slowdown because of wage cost pressures, because they know it's still challenging to find the right people, that we could have a situation where we have an economic slowdown, the Fed finishes raising rates, but actually we have a lower unemployment rate than was perhaps anticipated a year ago. Absolutely. So unemployment rate was a surprising number in today's today's report for me because what we have seen in the unemployment insurance uh, data in yesterday's report, it was a big up, uh, upside revision to the prior week and the number for this week was higher than the expectation. So I was expecting to see a higher number on the unemployment growth. Uh, but that's not happening right now. All the you know new workers that are coming into the workforce are absorbed by the employment gains. Industries are still hiring. Uh, that's why we're not seeing a you know big trend in unemployment rate right now. And yes, that is good news for the Federal Reserve. Maybe they can get close to their you know two percent inflation target rate without causing too much pain on the labor market. I want to. Um Talk about a topic now that's tied, but a little different. Um, Chat GPT, because I know you also survey workers on their expectations and concerns about the use of Chat GPT by employers. Do you also have a sense of um, how employers are reacting, particularly when potential workers respond and whether or not they're using this kind of technology to respond to job applications? What can you tell me? 
Yes, chat GPT is one of the trending topics in the job seekers right now. We are, as you mentioned, we have a survey. We surveyed the job seekers and asking them about their concerns and their confidence, how they're feeling about the job market. One of the recent questions we asked if they're concerned about their job prospects, given the wide use of the chat GPT. And 60% of the job seekers said, yes, they think the chat GPT might replace the jobs that they're applying for. However, that's not what's going on on the employer side. Right now, we have seen new job postings coming up and asking for people to use the chat GPT to create prompts, to create you know content. So the chat GPT usage is going to be important for the employers when they're hiring from now on. There are new jobs called prompt engineering, where the employers want people to use their technical skills along with the chat GPT to make the processes more efficient. So there will be more jobs created because of chat GPT. Interesting. So actually employers want people who are savvy in chat GPT now to, to actually try and use their skills in order to keep up. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, Sinem, great to chat to you. Thank you so much. Sinem Buba, the you. lead economist at Zip Recruiter. Okay, straight ahead. A CNN exclusive with the CEO of JP Morgan Chase. Why he says some banks should be allowed to fail. And later, we're on an excellent adventure with the boss of supermarket chain, Stu Lennox. He always goes rogue, I can't wait, to find out what's cooking this Easter and more. Stay with us. Welcome back to First Move. As you've heard, new signs today of a gradual, very gradual cooling in the U.S. labor market. The economy adding 236,000 jobs net last month amid the Federal Reserve's year-long campaign of raising interest rates to tame inflation. And, of course, too, we continue to watch for signs of how recent woes in the banking sector in the U.S. have spilled over into the jobs market and the broader economy. Who better to ask than the CEO of the biggest bank in America? J.P. Morgan was one of the banks providing liquidity in recent weeks to embattled First Western Bank and helping bolster confidence in the entire system. Well, my colleague Poppy Harlow asked him if the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank could have been avoided. What we do know is that regulators told Silicon Valley Bank at least six times, you've got a problem and your vulnerabilities, you need to fix them. Because of a law change a few years ago, they didn't have to fix them. They didn't, there was just a recommendation. They didn't fix those vulnerabilities. I don't, th I don't think it has to do with law change. They just, should have fixed it. The regulators should have forced it. Yes. So let me ask you this question. Because you, the regulators can't force it, should the public know when banks like that are warned multiple times? Or is the risk too great that then there's a run on the bank if you wave a flag and say, this bank has an issue? So you may know more than I do about it, because I didn't read all those I regulatory reports. Doubt but my, but that. My, my view is the regulators could have forced it. If my regulators called me up and said, we do not like X and you have to change it, I would change it. You would. There, there, was, a, there was no law change that made that not possible. There was a 2021 regulation change that, that would said that this was just guidance. So you're saying it no, should be forced. it wasn't just guidance. Okay. I have just guidance too, but when they tell me I have to do it, I'm going to do it. Go, I'm you do, do it. it yes. So let's talk about regulation. You say better regulation would not have prevented. No, no, it, it would have. It would have. So what's better? Oh, I think again, there, we have liquidity discount windows. Yeah. We have mortgage laws. We've got capital laws. We've got TLAC laws. We've got how you can use the discount window. There are a hundred rules. I'm saying th thoughtfully adjust the mix of how you do those. 
make a bit of changes. If you have uninsured deposits, what that means, health to maturity, should you have debt issued, should the supervisors force something or not, statutorily, not voluntarily. Yeah. And yeah, I think you can make a lot of change or improve the system. But that's always true in any system. I've never seen that not be you true. You write in your annual letter about what you call your word, whack-a-mole. You seem yeah. to like that word. And politically motivated responses to the banking crisis. Like what? Well, no, I think very often when it comes to regulations, you have, this is the problem. They try to fix that. But it often has unintended consequences. If you want healthy regional banks, community banks, you should also listen to them about what excess cost does to their ability to compete. You know, what extra high cost debt does to it and, and have a thoughtful conversation about what are the things we can do to, to make it easier for you and make the system safer. I believe that that's doable. It's not doable without the conversation and without the analysis. I was reading back some things you said in 2008, and this was in the middle of the crisis. You just acquired Bear Stearns in a fire sale trying to stabilize the banking system. And then you said, if you don't worry in this business, you're crazy. What are you most worried about right now in two this thing, business? Two, two things. Well, I, I think all business. Quantitative tightening, the effect it has on long-term rates, inflation higher for longer, that's kind of the tide going out. So like even when Bear Stearns went down, you think other people have seen that and said, I have too much leverage, too much mortgage debt, too much this, and made some changes. Lehman went down six months later. I think they might have been able to fix that in the meantime. So that's a little bit of a warning to people. And I, but I think this war in Ukraine, or I think that is changing everything we think about the world, how we should think about safety and security, even around food, energy, it's changing economic relationships, it's really in the relationship with us and China. That is the most important thing. I mean, if you want to have a free and democratic Western world and an American century in the next hundred century, that's what we got to focus on. You said last year on that front, the autocratic world thinks that the Western world is a little lazy and incompetent, and there's a little bit of truth to that. Is that still how you see it? Yeah. I think, you know, I think we do a lot of things that, first of all, we're in great position. So, you know, for the American public, we have food, water, energy. We're the most prosperous nation the world's ever seen. That's still true. The most innovative. Just go to Atlanta. Go to, not so people think it's just Silicon Valley, but it's in Atlanta too. It's in New York. It's in Brooklyn. You know, it's all over the place. We have the high, our GDP per person is $70,000 plus. China's is 15000 They import 10 million barrels of oil a day. They don't have... Uh, the Atlantic and the Pacific. They have a very complicated neighborhood. They're, you know, they're angry their neighbors who are all starting to rearm. We've got a great hand. On the other hand, we haven't done a particularly good job taking care of our lower paid citizens, our inner city schools, immigration, taxation, and I think people should pay their taxes. Litigation, which you know, we, it costs 1% of GDP, and if it, was, if it created more fairness in life, I'd say that was good, but it's capricious, arbitrary, slow. You know, uh, and I so I can go on and on about mortgages, affordable. You, you, you heard here about affordable housing. You know, we all agree with that. But very often the problem with affordable housing isn't capital. It's local zoning laws. So if America just got out of its own way, I think we can grow at 3 percent a year. Are you worried about how close Iran, Russia and China are to one another right now and are getting to one another? Do you think about that? Yeah, You're I a student mean, of history. I, I mean, if you were going to ally with the Western world, America and Europe and Western world, or you're going to ally with you know, Iran and Russia, I mean, please. Am I worried? Not really. That doesn't worry you? No. It worries so, some of our top generals. Okay. You said military. Yes, you should worry about geopolitics. But I just told you what a great hand America has. Same with kind of Europe. What we should be doing is ally, making sure we're going to ally, not just militarily, but economically, strategically, diplomacy, development, finance, you know, have the rest of the world want to join us. So if you're India, would you rather be part of that group 
a part of the Western world. Are we doing okay. enough to no, entice? Or not, not enough, no. I think, you know, Bob Gates in his book, I probably called the uh, Symphony of Power or something like that, said the symphony includes diplomacy, development finance, having business involved in helping develop, you know, Africa, Latin America, parts of Asia. I think we could do a far better job coordinating that as a policy. I think, by the way, the administration thinks that too. And, and, and the other thing, but you can't take trade off the table. So the first thing we do is we take trade off the table right from the start. No, trade may be the most important thing for these countries. And while there are legitimate complaints about trade, we can do it better, we can do it right, uh, uh, and we should be very thoughtful about it. Should the FDIC insure more than $250,000? Because I think a lot of people feel right now after what we've seen that every deposit is just insured with no ceiling. You know, I think probably, but it goes back to my thing about regulations. If you do this, you don't need to do that. If you do this, you don't need to do that. If you do them both, you can hurt. So just be very thoughtful, but probably we should raise the uh, deposit insurance. I don't know yet. I mean, again, you got to do the analysis in that. What but about? I, but I think that would help community banks. It would help raise yes. it. Okay. Yes. So final question on that: Should the should banks like yours, the big guys, uh, with the most assets, that have an implicit guarantee that you're essentially not going to fail, pay a higher percentage into deposit insurance? Oh God, I don't know. I'll leave, that, I'll leave that to everybody else. You have no decide. opinion on that? No. If you guys should pay more into it. But if we were too big to fail, by the way, our bonds wouldn't trade the way they trade. Just so you know, and you were in the markets, and so fair. Okay, talk about the economy. You wrote a lot about this in your annual letter. Has this banking crisis, even though you think it's almost over, which I'm really glad to hear, though increased chances of a recession here? Yes. But I, I, I look at it like it's not definitive. It's just like another weight on the scale. Okay. And think of it as, you know, people have said it's like raising rates another 50 basis points or something like that. I, we are seeing people reduce lending a little bit, cut back a little bit, pull back a little bit. It won't necessarily force a recession, but it is recessionary. A wide-ranging conversation there and more from Jamie Dimon coming up and the rising risk of recession here in the United States after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to First Move and returning to one of our top stories today. The Israeli Defense Force is ordering the mobilization of some of its reserve forces after a night of Israeli airstrikes against targets in Gaza and southern Lebanon. Israel says it struck Hamas targets in response to a barrage of rockets fired into Israeli territory on Thursday. In these images from Gaza, you can see damage to buildings and cars. The Palestinian Ministry of Health says a children's hospital was damaged. Hadas Gold joins us now from the Israel-Lebanon border. Hadas, good to have you with us. What more do we know about the impact of this rocket firing and how is the situation presently? Well, I mean, the rocket fire, of course, is not happening in a vacuum, and it was in direct response to the events of this week in the old city of Jerusalem at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which in the span of 24 hours saw two Israeli police raids against what they say were Palestinians who were barricading themselves inside and firing off things like fireworks and stones. But those raids were rather violent, and more than 350 people were arrested. And so not only did we see rockets being fired from Gaza into Israel, but then this new escalation from up here, where I am, you can actually see the Lebanon-Israel border just behind me on this hill. And it was uh, from over that hill that uh, more than a dozen rockets, dozens of rockets were fired from southern Lebanon into northwest Israel, the largest barrage that Israel has seen in decades since really the 2006 war. And then earlier, uh, in the early hours of this morning, the Israeli military striking southern Lebanon. But these strikes were very specifically targeted, according to the Israeli 
Israeli military to Palestinian militant groups. And a Lebanese security source telling CNN that these targets were really sort of open areas where weapons were being uh, stored and held by militants. And it is interesting to hear the Israeli authorities being very careful not to talk about how they are targeting Hezbollah. And that's because a direct confrontation with Hezbollah, the Iranian-backed militant group that controls southern Lebanon, that could very easily devolve into a major war, which would end up being likely thousands of casualties potentially on both sides. And I think that's why we saw these limited strikes in southern Lebanon. And most of the action has been in Gaza because Israel is directly placing the blame on these rocket fires on Hamas and other Palestinian militant groups. And so overnight, there were Israeli uh, military airstrikes in Gaza targeting what they say were Hamas uh, targets like tunnels and weapons manufacturing sites. Militants there responding with more than 40 rockets towards Israel. There has been material damage on both sides, as you noted, but there has been no injuries actually reported within the last few hours. There were some injuries from the barrage of rockets fired from southern Lebanon into Israel yesterday, but otherwise there have been no injuries yet. And although there was one instance of mortar fire in the last two hours being fired from Gaza towards Israel, it has right now been relatively calm on both the Gaza front and the Lebanese front. But that's not what's been happening in the occupied West Bank, where two Israeli sisters, uh, officials there saying they were around the ages of 15 and 20, were shot and killed alongside their mother, who was critically injured in what Israeli police are saying was a Palestinian shooting attack. And the suspect or suspects in that case uh, managed to escape Israeli authorities saying they are currently on the lookout for them. But it just gives to show you how there are so many fronts going on right now and while things have been still tense and calm as you noted reservists have been called up and the airspace here in northern israel is still close to civilian aircraft so while there hasn't been necessarily major action in the last few hours there's still very much a sense that things could easily change by the minute julia speaking of that Hadis, what about activity at the al-aqsa mosque and the implications for friday prayers so Friday prayers, you know, the main midday Friday prayers, um, as far as we know, they passed pretty peacefully, although there was a demonstration by Palestinians in the main part of the compound where they raised things like Hamas flags and chanted slogans and things like that. But as far as we understand, tens of thousands, at least 100,000 people uh, went to the compound today for Friday prayers. They passed rather peacefully. And I think that is also a main place to look because if things kick off at Al-Aqsa once again, then I think we will start to see another escalation because for much of the Muslim world and especially for these militant groups, they will say it clearly for them, anything at Al-Aqsa is a red line. We'll continue to watch it very closely. Hadis, great to have you with us. Thank you. Hadis Gold there near the Israel-Lebanon border. Okay, it is. I'm just looking at the clock. 9.33. Obviously, Wall Street is closed to observe the Good Friday holiday, but we have had, of course, the March jobs report released just around an hour ago by the U.S. Labor Department, the economy creating 236,000 jobs net last month. That was broadly in line with expectations, though it is lower than Friday at February's number. Hiring remains strong in the U.S. economy. That's the bottom line. The unemployment rate even dropping to 3.5 percent. The U.S. labor market has been incredibly resilient despite and in the face of rising interest rates from the Federal Reserve. This is also the last jobs report before the next Federal Reserve meeting in early May. And a new warning about the rising risk of recession in the United States. Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, spoke to my colleague Poppy Harlow and said the recent volatility in the banking sector may have consequences. 
Has this banking crisis, even though you think it's almost over, which I'm really glad to hear, though increased chances of a recession here? Yes. But I, I, I look at it like it's not definitive. It's just like another weight on the scale. Okay. And think of it as, you know, people have said it's like raising rates another 50 basis points or something like that. I, we are seeing people reduce lending a little bit, cut back a little bit, pull back a little bit. It won't necessarily force a recession, but it is recessionary. Um, storm clouds ahead, you say maybe some for yeah. the economy? Yeah, I might mention the QT, higher inflation for longer, yeah. the war. Okay. Those, are, those are pretty strong things. If you look at history since World War II, we've not kind of faced it like that. It's still early in that, that war going on for longer. We don't really know the outcome of QT. I think we'll be writing about QE and QT for 50 years. Quantitative tightening, quantitative yeah, quantitative easing. Tightening, yeah. Okay. And they talk more in depth about the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and, and beyond. Listen to what else he had to say. Hide in plain sight. Everyone knew about uninsured deposits. Everyone knew about interest rate exposure. Everyone knew about health and maturity portfolios. The only difference, the only real difference was we called concentrated clients. So Silicon Valley Bank had you know, a handful of people who controlled 35,000 corporate accounts. And they just left, you know, $140 billion or something over a course of, a course of two days. That's not happening to other regional banks. Well, they what, don't have that issue, nor do they have all these other issues. So it's only a handful that are much offsides. Okay, talk about the economy. You wrote a lot about this in your annual letter. Um, has this banking crisis, even though you think it's almost over, which I'm really glad to hear, though increased chances of a recession here? Yes. But I, I, I look at it like it's not definitive. It's just like another weight on the scale. Okay. And think of it as, you know, people have said it's like raising rates another 50 basis points or something like that. I, we are seeing people reduce lending a little bit, cut back a little bit, pull back a little bit. It won't necessarily force a recession, but it is recessionary. Um, storm clouds ahead, you say maybe some for yeah. the economy? Yeah, I might mention the QT, higher inflation for longer, the war. Those are, those are pretty strong things. If you look at history since World War II, we've not kind of faced it like that. It's still early in that. That war going on for longer. We don't really know the outcome of QT. I think we'll be writing about QE and QT for 50 quantitative years. Quantitative tightening, qu quantitative, yeah, quantitative easing. Tight, quantitative, yeah. Okay, yeah. but we can't just focus on the risk because you even write, if you do that, it clouds your judgment. Yes. You see a lot of positives in this economy. I mean, you talk about America's GDP, you think, being more than 2x in 20 years. What's ahead that is good? We're going to have, whatever we go through in the next couple of years, America in almost every 10-year period, going back all through our history, is much better 10 years later than it was before. That includes 1940 to 1950. That includes 1930 to 1940. And so the health of America is the strength of its people, its human capital, its brain power, its capability, its capital markets. We have the, you know, the widest, deepest, most transparent capital markets the world's ever seen. And that includes venture capital, private equity, media. We've got open media, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise. But the most important than that is freedom of people to do what they want. Like if you're starting to, you saw those two wonderful ladies yes. starting business here. Yes. It's that. It's the, that is, that's the, at the heart of America, and that's still there. That has not gone away. And we should applaud it. I mean, we should sing. You know, I wrote in my letter, I talked about all the stuff we do to help society and communities and yes. philanthropy and DEI. I said, but lest my shoulder forget, I'm a red-blooded, full-throated, free-market, free-enterprise capitalist. Okay? We should applaud free enterprise. We should sink from the hills the benefits while we fix the negatives, as opposed to denigrate the whole thing. Let's talk about more good things coming up on First Move and Easter egg.
extravaganza. We'll talk to the boss of grocery train, Stu Leonard's There he is about finding bargains and giving back. That's next. Stay with CNN. Welcome back to First Move. We're heading into a heavy weekend for all the foodies out there with the holidays of both Easter and Passover taking place at the same time. Countless consumers will be snapping up produce to make feasts for their families. But how is food inflation, post-COVID changes and tightening budgets changing the dynamic this year? Well, it wouldn't be a holiday without us asking Stu Leonard and Stu Leonard Jr., the CEO and president of Stu Leonard, joins us now. Stu! It truly wouldn't be a holiday without you. Happy almost Easter. What's cooking? Well, thank you. <laughs> What's cooking? That's a good question. Well, you know, this week is we have Passover and Easter together. So happy mm. Passover, happy Easter. But, you know, you're just seeing your hams, your lamb, uh, rib roasts are really big. The beef briskets are huge. Um, and, you know, surprisingly, you'd think egg, egg sales would go up dramatically, but they only go up about 10% at Easter right now. I tell you what else we're seeing. We're seeing the Easter bunny over your uh, left shoulder and a chicken. They are to do with you, aren't they? They're not just um, Come on over, visitors. Come on. Oh, my goodness. We, Here we go. Yeah, we, um. we, got, we got our characters walking through the store right now. But you know what you're seeing, Julia? I think I heard your, your guest there earlier talk about inflation. But, you know, a lot of this still is a little bit of uh, baked-in costs that have increased, like labor and packaging. We're hearing that from all our suppliers right now. Uh, fuel costs now, you notice, are going up. Those are things that that just get baked into the, the cost. But you also have a lot of supply and demand issues right now, like eggs, for an example. You know, everybody's seen a big spike in eggs in, over the holidays. Uh, and right now they're starting to come down because there was like a flu that affected the chicken uh, flocks. Like a co- They had their own COVID, which is now passed. And we're, we're seeing egg prices drop dramatically right now, and they should be lower even this summer. Wow. OK. Well, just put a comparison, if you can, for us on sort of some of the basics, like chicken, like beef, like eggs, compared to this time last year. Well, you know, first of all, we've held our egg prices, you know, stable at three ninety nine a dozen over the years. But they went, you know, most stores have gone up quite a bit over the holidays, almost double that. Uh, but we're, we're back at normal prices right now that we've held on that you know you know what's a challenge for the retailers now is trying to keep value for the customers during these inflationary times you know we have a family business uh and and we're just working really tight right now with our suppliers you know we're resisting any cost increases uh but they all have labor increases and they have fuel increases and packaging costs have gone up uh corn prices have come down right now um, you're seeing meat prices take a little bit of a spike right now. But, you know, overall, there's a lot of supply and demand issues out there. But I think customers can see some easing coming in the future for food prices. Well, that's a good um, that's a good message. What about frozen foods? Yeah. I think we all ate a lot of frozen foods um, during yes. the pandemic. How has that behavior changed or not in the last sort of six to six to 12 months in particular? Because we can see lots of fresh well, produce behind you. Yeah, well, there's a lot of fresh, but you're right. Frozen people like I even talked to a, a guy in our local town who, who had an appliance store and he said, those freezer chests went way up in sales during COVID. So people got used to buying steaks. They got used to buying pizzas. They stocked up on vegetables. Uh, they, 
fish. They put a lot more product in the freezer right now. And by the way, that's a good way to save money right now is look for specials out there that all supermarkets across the country offer. Um, take advantage of those app deals uh, right now. I mean, right now, uh, our, our these, you know, Ribro's price went up like a couple bucks, but if you go to and use our app, you save $2 a pound on it. So uh, it'll actually be lower than last year. So look for app deals. Try to go with your private labels if you can. There's usually some real savings right there. <laughs> the other thing that's really important, stay away from our demos at Stu Leonard's, you know, because we're, we're trying to get you to put another item in that card, uh, which, yeah. you know, and usually... But don't eat too you know much. Found, <laughs> yeah, you know what we found, Julia? Our store traffic's up, but people are putting one less item in their shopping mm. cart. So, so we're feeling that from a sales standpoint a little bit. Um, so people are buying what they need and not what they want. You know, they used to taste something at the demo and throw it right in their car, and now they're starting to think about it a little bit more. So we can tell the customers out there, they're excited. Our catering sales are up. People are out there having celebrations with their family, but uh, they are more conscious of their wallets and purses right now. I tell you what I do see behind you, or what I don't see behind you is plexiglass. So at least people, when they are putting things yeah. in the bars, not banging their heads against that. And I believe buffets yeah. are back. Yeah, that's what we're finding right now. We're sort of unwinding COVID a little bit. Uh, yeah. Plexiglass, we're taking a lot of that down. It used to be you could hardly hear the person on the other side because we had big plexiglass windows up at the deli counter and the cashiers and so forth. Uh, we're taking a, a lot of that down right now. And also the buffets are out. People are much more comfortable. you got to be very conscious of cleanliness and sanitation. But um, they're much more comfortable buying food like that. The one thing I don't think will ever go away is, is the is the containers of wipes and the hand sanitizer that we have around the store. People are still using that, uh, uh, and that's sort of something just to keep uh, your hands cleaner, and they're realizing the value of that right now. Yeah, we like clean hands, so uh, keeping those yep. uh, keeping those wiped there is a good thing. Um, Stu, if you don't yep. mind, I, I want to talk to you about something very personal, and it's about turning something that I know was... Um, deeply painful for, for you and your wife and your family and turning it into something incredibly positive. You lost a child to a, a drowning incident, yeah. a young son. Yeah. And I believe you're now two months away from opening a swim school, Stewie the Duck swim yeah. school, um, to provide swim lessons for children six months to, to 18 years. Talk to me about the importance of this moment and what it means to you and your wife. You know, it's especially important right now as the pools are starting to get open. You notice how warm it is. And unfortunately, my wife and I lost our son who's floating face down in the pool when I found him. He just snuck away from us. We don't even know how it happened and how quickly it happened. I just would like to let all your listeners know it's so important to get your kids swim lessons right now. I was just talking to Charlie, who has our produce up. He has a 16-month-old. He's starting swim lessons now, but it's not swim lessons. My wife and I want to teach kids to float. They can roll over on their back and float right now. And so what we're doing, we're starting this uh, swim school. We're donating 100% of the profits back to help the needy and underprivileged uh, uh, inner-city kids that can't afford a swim lesson. 
And uh, we're hope we're providing 10,000 free lessons now through our foundation. We're hoping to do another 10,000. And Julie, if you don't mind me just mentioning, um, if anybody out there wants to go to our website at stewytheduck.org, they can get some good safety tips, but they can also have an opportunity to donate $5 a month. And if they do that, I'll match it. And the $10 will provide one beautiful child an opportunity to get a free swim lesson. And we would like to turn this this tragedy uh, mm. that my wife and I suffered, uh, hopefully that it won't happen to anybody else. And our mission at the swim school is save a life one lesson at a time. Yeah, I'm glad and you mentioned the donations. That's my dream. It's, I'm so excited for the school to open in, in, in Connecticut uh, in a couple of months. Yeah, big heart to you. Stu, where is the Easter Bunny? Is he somewhere near? I don't know. Hey, Easter Bunny, come on over. Easter, what are you, come on, what are you doing? They're dancing around with customers <laughs> yeah, over I, there I just, right now. we got to get him. I don't I just want him to give you a hug. I just wanted to give you a hug because I can't. Um, I'll, I'll give yeah. the Easter Bunny a hug for you. Yeah. But, but, you I, know, uh, uh, overall right now, um, you know, we feel pretty positive about food prices. Um, it, you know, here at Stu Leonard's and we're working as close as we can to keep it, uh, keep the prices down as much as we can. Uh, you know, we understand it's difficult for a lot of customers out there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to see a little bit of relief coming forward, right? Here we go. Oh, there we Say go. Say hi to Julia. <laughs> hi. <laughs> Come on, sweetie. And here's our yeah, little shoot, duck. Shoot. I want, I want them duck. to give you a Let's hug. Say. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Stu, thank mwah, you. Mwah. Yes. <laughs> hey, happy okay. Easter, happy Passover, everybody. Yeah, and, and thank, thank you what you. you're doing. Teach your children to float. I know, important message. Yeah. Stu, Teach them the to float. Thank, thank, thank you. you, Julia. Bye-bye. Bye. The CEO and president of Stu is there and the Easter Bunny and a big chick. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah. All right, Sotokan, here on first move from groceries to golf. The, the Masters is underway in Augusta, Georgia. We'll check the leaderboard and see how five times champion Tiger Woods is faring. That's next. Welcome back to First Move and over to Augusta, Georgia now, where the second round of the Masters is underway. Right now, American Brooks Coper has the lead with eight under par. He's already into his second round. Let's bring in Rod Don Riddell. Not Rod Riddell, that's my reading. Um, we have to talk about Tiger. Never mind everybody else. I I've got my fingers crossed for him. How's he doing? Yeah, not great, Julia, to be mm. honest. He really struggled during his uh, opening round on Thursday. Three bogeys on the front nine. He ended up with five in total. He made three birdies, including back-to-back -back birds, uh, on his second nine, which gave his supporters uh, a glimmer of hope. But in the end, a two-over pass score is not at all what he was hoping for. He struggled in particular with his iron play, and he's given himself a bit of a mountain to climb today. Uh, Woods hasn't missed the cut here at Augusta since the mid-90s, but he's got a lot of work to do if he's going to be sticking around uh, for this weekend. So that's a shame to see because, of course, Tiger Woods is such a huge draw, but his playing partners uh, perform much better, notably 
the Norwegian Victor Hovland and this guy was hard to miss. It wasn't just the azaleas that are in full bloom here at Augusta this spring. It was also the world number nine from Norway. He was brilliant. He made an eagle on his second hole, never looked back from there. He ended the day on seven under par, so a brilliant score from him. You can probably tell by the shirt he was wearing that uh, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Uh, he's lucky that he didn't have pollinators following him around uh, throughout his 18 holes. And he and Tiger Woods will be back out on the course in pretty much about three hours time and uh, of course they're going to have to contend with the golf course but also the weather the sun is shining right now but Julia we are expecting a lot of rain in the next couple of days and that's really going to shake things up yes get the umbrellas out just is he forced to wear that shirt Don is that the sponsors that make him do that or does he choose because he would camouflage with a bunch of flowers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were times where we lost him on Amen Corner. We were like, is there a golfer where is in he? there? Uh, yeah, he said he was, he said he was given the shirt. And um, we know he's kind of dressed a bit like this before. He wore pink pants previously. I remember. Pink trousers, uh, as yeah. we would say in Europe. And, and, he, and yes. he said, well, you know, shirt was better than that. G given them a likely story. Don, yeah. great to have you with us. Thank you. <laughs> Don Riddell right. there in Augusta. Thank you. Okay, and just into CNN, the Vatican says Pope Francis will not participate in the Way of the Cross, a traditional devotion on Good Friday. The last-minute change is because of an unusually cold weather in Rome. Now, while it's uncommon for Pope Francis to pull out of the ceremony, he is, of course, still recovering from bronchitis. The Vatican says the Pope will be united in prayer with everyone at the event. And that's it for the show. Connect the World is up next. Have a great week, Kevin, and we'll see you next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.